the holy name of Jesus, amen. So much of Christianity these days has really just been boiled down to a set of rules. Follow the rules, be obedient, God will be happy to, with you, and you'll be saved. The problem is, is we don't like rules. I don't like rules. Rules, rules, everywhere there are rules, and we live by so many rules in the world today. You drove here according to rules, speed limits, stop signs, stop lights, being in the right lane at the right time. You live each and every day with rules. Pay your taxes, go to work, be obedient to your boss or your employer, and maybe you'll get ahead in life. You go to the doctor, more rules. Take your medication, get your exercise, eat healthier, and maybe you'll live longer. Christianity as well has adopted so much of this today. People love the idea of this all being rules. Some would say that the Bible simply means basic instructions before leaving earth, like it's some sort of guide or manual of things. But the problem is, is that I don't always like the rules, and neither do you. And when we as Lutherans particularly hear about what you must do in order to, to find something or to be saved, we balk at that and say, what does this mean? Or, no, I'm not going to do that. Take, for example, our potluck. You don't have to go, but I hope you would. This month is German food. But let's just say, in the midst of all of the sausages and the breads, somebody did bring beef rouladen. They're a little higher up to heaven than the rest of us. <laughs> Let's say in the midst of all of that wonderful food, I looked at you today and said, if you are truly going to be a Christian, you can only eat the vegetables. You probably wouldn't go, or you probably would bring your plate by me, or multiple plates, and show me all of the meat, the breads, and the desserts. I'm not listening to it, Pastor. Is this really what the Christianity is, Christianity and the church today is all about? Checklist, checklist, checklist. You do this, God's happy. Do this, you'll be saved. No. God has a checklist of things you're supposed to do. We call them the Ten Commandments. Jesus boils that down today because the Pharisees were all about the rules. They wanted to know everything about the rules and if somebody was following them accordingly. A lawyer, a rule giver, a rule abider says, what is the greatest commandment in the law? What must you do that is the pinnacle of everything that is on the checklist of Christianity? And Jesus doesn't start to list the Ten Commandments. He doesn't start to list the 600 plus commandments that the 
chief priests, Pharisees, and Sadducees had browbeaten the people over with, he boils it down to two common laws, two that are connected. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We like the first commandment. We know that it's important. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The loving neighbor aspect, eh, it's tough. I like particular neighbors here. I don't like these neighbors over here. I'd rather help out these particular neighbors here. These people, I just wish they would go away. And what Jesus is saying here today with the law as he presents it to the lawyer and to everybody who is listening to them, he literally says, you should love God, yes, and in order to show that you love God, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't separate these two. The Bible also talks about this in many ways. How can you say that you love God or have faith in God and yet condemn your neighbor? How can the love of God even be in you? So love God, people. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor, every last one of those neighbors, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look at them to be the most important people in your lives rather than the person that you see every morning in the mirror. Love God, people. You don't love him enough. Love your neighbor, people. You don't love them enough. Try harder. Struggle. Wrestle. Because God wants you to be obedient. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the potluck. Sound familiar? So much of Christianity is based on this today. So many people are browbeaten, even though the preachers and teachers are not bringing out clubs and sticks and beating people down. But you and I know that we don't love God with our heart, soul, and mind. You and I know how many times we despise our neighbor. We wish they were dead. We speak ill of them with gossip. We know these things. And if this is just simply about the rules that you have to follow, you're condemned. Why are you even here? If this is simply about the rules that you should follow, the world talks about how you should be kinder to everybody. You should love other, other people. You should be open and accepting to all sorts of people and views and whatever else it is. Be kind. Show kindness. Even our church office has a little sign in there that our parish administrator put, Be the good but I don't want to be the good. I don't feel like being the good. What do you mean by be the good? See, this is what we have come to be as a people today. You see it on the signs. Love is love. Well, what does that mean? Love is love. Love is whatever you want to make it. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Love is just love. 
insert whatever you love, whatever that word love means, and that's your form of love. But it better be in accordance and accepting with everything else the society views about love. And if it's not the right kind of love or the great views of love, you are not loving enough. So now loving is all about the individual's definition, but then also society browbeats you with what it must be as well. As I mentioned in the Bible class this morning, love is love. That doesn't make any sense. All of a sudden now it's whatever you want it to be or whatever you want to believe. Change the word. Air is air. Well, you and I would all agree we need oxygen. Yeah, but carbon monoxide is air. And I should be able to breathe what I want to breathe. Why can't you let me breathe carbon monoxide? Helium is a form of air. Why can't you let me breathe helium? It's fun. It makes my voice sound funny. It lets the balloons go up in the air, live and free. Don't you want that to happen? Helium is air. Carbon monoxide is air. This is really where we've come down to muddling up what God gives to us by his word about what true love really is. There are multiple words for love in the New Testament. I'm not going to get into all of them here today. But the main emphasis of God's love for us, loving God, loving neighbor, is all based on what it is that he has first done for you. His love for you is all about sacrifice, giving up everything he has in his son. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the blood sacrifice for our sins. This is not, I love bacon, I love my spouse, I love my dog. This is, I love you, and because of that, I shed my blood. I die for you. Love is found in God before it is ever found or anywhere else. And God is love, that famous three-word three stanza from the, the, the uh, New Testament. But that is not some generic plasticky, sweet, sticky type of love. It is a blood-drenched love poured out freely by Christ for you, given in your baptism, given in the body and blood of Christ, given and shed for you. This is how he shows his love for you, and even more so, he fulfills it all for you. He fulfills the law for you, the rules. You don't love God, I don't love God, you don't love your neighbor, I don't love my neighbor. And if today is just simply about being obedient, and thanks be to God, we can be obedient. He saved us, yes, that's great, but now go obedient, do something for his kingdom, you're sunk. 
But if the law is given to us to kill us, to condemn us, to show us that God demands absolute perfection of every last one of these laws, and by disobeying one of them you deserve condemnation, death, and hell, then we can go somewhere with that. We can do something with that. We can place it all on Jesus with what we have said and done what we have left undone, with acknowledging we justly deserve his punishment now and eternally. Lord, I can't do this. I don't love you enough. I don't love my neighbor. Who will deliver me from this wretched body that I am? And Jesus has come to fulfill that law for you. He's the one who lives these things out perfectly and obediently to the Father for you. Not as some example, try harder, try to follow Jesus harder, but to take your place, your guilty place, and to give you his innocence, life, and salvation. That's what I love about Christianity. Every last thing that Jesus does from his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection every little thing speaking to the pharisees today about the law healing the blind raising the dead giving giving uh, more wine at the wedding at cana every last thing he does he does in perfect obedience to god and for the love of his neighbor but all of that that he does he does not look at you today and say Try harder, follow my pattern. He says, everything that I have said and done and thought and prayed for, I now give it to you. I credit it to you as all righteousness so that on the last day, our Father who demands perfection will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Come receive the kingdom of heaven prepared for you since the foundation of the world. The rules have been fulfilled for you. That's what Jesus says here. That's an amazing thing that he says here as well. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I shared a little bit about this in Bible class this morning. I don't like the English language. Number one, I don't know most of the definitions of words. Number two, I have a hard time speaking it. Number three, we have too many words that don't define enough things for us, especially when it comes to the scriptures. I don't know where we've come up with our translations of the English. I'm not starting to say we're going to do something radical and put only Greek and Hebrew in your bulletins from here on out. There's only one in this room who could read it, and it's not me. But Jesus says this in reality today. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. On these two commands hangs the law and the prophets. Scratch out depends. On these two commandments hangs 
the law and the prophets. And that word there is a Hebraism. It's a word that draws back to the Hebrew that literally says, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. By Jesus' death on the cross, he has fulfilled all of the law and the prophets for you. He is the one who has taken your place on the cross. He is the one who has been cursed, condemned to die. He is the one who does this willingly out of love and dedication and faithfulness to you. He is the one who serves you all of these things. So that, yes, we still live under the law. We still live under the rules that God gives to us. He still asks us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But it's important to remember that Jesus' love is not an example to follow, but the greatest love that is possible. It's been given to you first so that you may now give this to your neighbor. The Christian religion for you today is not about your obedience. It's about Christ's obedience to the Father and to you. It's about God's love first, giving himself up on the cross. And as we receive this love from Jesus by faith, that same love becomes the power of God in our lives. He who believes is born of God and knows God. And by the Holy Spirit, when our hearts are open to the love of God by faith in Jesus Christ, when we are overwhelmed by his love, when it is overflowing from us, we now are able to love one another. Because it's not you who lives alone anymore, it is Christ who lives in you. But it's tough. It's extremely tough. We may hold grudges. We may be angry. We may look at others and say, what are you doing with your life? Why can't you get your act together? Why can't you see things my way? And when we are so centered in on ourselves in that way, you and I are making ourselves out to be God. So we come with repentant hearts today. We come with repentance, not of your own will, but of the will of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with repentance, there is always forgiveness. Christ forgives you of all of your sins, no matter how much you have disobeyed, no matter how many times you have broken the law, broken his rules, no matter what it is that you have done in life. He forgives and he restores he does all of this now and forever so that we may truly respond like Peter did by faith. Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. You know where I have fallen. You have forgiven. And you now know that I love you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.